It is the 11 dub cast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. And you know, I'm going to, here's the thing. We've got the draft coming up and I think we can talk about our experiences with the draft in a little bit, but I'm just, I'm going to tell you something. The real event this week that I, I don't know that I was even aware was going on or is currently going on as we record this was the Oscars. Are you, are you in an award season mood? Andy Vance, are you pumped for the Oscars? Do you have this thing on DVR and you're, you're going to rewind it and check out all the amazing performances and awards? Of- I would I would say the this this will this will summarize my feelings on award season quite handily. The last major award show I watched, I think Garth Brooks won Entertainer of the Year. <laughs> Just to put this... Well, that could be any year, Andy. I mean, he deserves it every year, so I don't know. And do you know what I remember about that, Johnny? I remember I remember him at the microphone giving his acceptance speech and dedicating it to his two favorite Georges, and he gestures to the front row of the audience to George Jones and George Strait, and then immediately quips, no offense, Mr. President, meaning... <laughs> George H. W. Bush. So, though <laughs> so this takes you right back to about you know 1980. What would that be? Nine, maybe. I mean, it's you know, it's a while. I feel back. like it would have to be. It's a while back. So, no, uh, I am not an award season junkie, and here's why: when the Avengers wasn't immediately plopped up for Best Picture, I said, "I'm, I'm out." No, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious there, but I just find that. <laughs> There are so few of the major award nominees that I, as a film goer, and we used to love, you know, pre-pandemic, we went to the movies quite a lot, Oh sure. but I've just never been an indie art house flick kind of guy. Not that I've, not that I haven't enjoyed some of them. Um, I'll, I'll use the example of uh, uh, J.K. Simmons, who's a great Ohio State fan and a fantastic actor uh, mm-hmm. and a, is worthy of ever, ever, every Oscar they I want mean, to throw at him yellow m&m that's that's just a career defining role right well, there. well yeah. <laughs> I, but the movie whiplash that was one i don't remember if it won the oscar or not but that was one that was a darling of of yeah. awards he, he won he won an oscar for that see that's what i was gonna say i was trying to remember if the film itself got nominated or if it was just he got nominated um he, he, that I, that movie was fantastic and i use that phrase not my tempo a lot if you haven't seen the film you should go back and watch it because <laughs> Some somebody will say something. I'm trying to remember. We did this today in the car. The little tyke asked me if I liked something or if I wanted something. I said, ah, "Not my tempo." You know, that's just that's just sort of a general way I say I'm not into that. You know, so yeah. doesn't mean I doesn't mean I have to dislike. It. It's just not my tempo. Uh, but that goes back to that movie. But generally speaking, no, I am more of a you know summer blockbuster. I like movies that lots of people like kind of guy. Sure. And when I look at the list of nominees for any given year, and I just don't, I haven't even heard of four out of five, then it's like, ah, yeah, this just ain't for me. Not my tempo, in other words. This year was a weird year because so many of the, I think maybe the marquee kind of movies were held back because of COVID. Sure. And I, so my wife and I actually just saw one of the nominated movies last night and it was, it was good. I thought it was decent. Promising Young Woman. I thought it was a good movie. Um, but typically i i i'm i'm a connoisseur of all all the you know the <laughs> the flavors of the uh of the cinematic palette i guess or something whatever tortured analogy you want to give but um and I, I try to see at least a couple of the nominees every year but this year i feel like it's just i'm, I'm completely out of the loop and not really 
kind of end to it. Here's the other thing that I find interesting. Like it's, it's odd to me and maybe this is intentional, I guess. I don't know, but it's odd to me that like all of the awards season, they seem to be winter, early spring ish. Cause usually the Oscars are like in February, I think. Right. right. But I don't know. You're just thinking about like maybe when the sports seasons like kind of end, or at least when football ends, you've got all these kind of award shows and whatnot. It just, it's odd that we've selected a certain period of time to be when we recognize, I guess, excellence or whatever. And, and like, I always used to look like big time forward to the, um, you know, like the Heisman ceremony, not just the Heisman, but like all the other awards that they gave yeah. out, know, Blitnikoff and, you know, all the other stuff. And I, I feel like my lack of interest, my decline in interest in the Oscars has kind of declined at the same pace as maybe my interest in some of these other award shows. It's not that I'm not paying attention if an Ohio State player is nominated, right? Like if right, sure. Justin Fields is up for Heisman, all that kind of stuff, of course I'm going to be invested. I'm going to check it out. But I used to be like really emotionally invested. And now it's like, okay, I'll, I'll care if an Ohio State player is there. But if not, I'm like, maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. You know, like, so I, it's, it's interesting how that's changed for me because it used to be a big honking deal. I used to watch the Oscars religiously. It'd be like, really upset if the you know the movies i liked didn't didn't win but it just it doesn't feel that significant anymore i'm not really sure what it is yeah and i think that's part of it for me too when when i look and i say i don't get what you know the the particular decision making body was thinking you know like <laughs> right it's you know it's like sometimes you could look at me like okay that wouldn't have been what i picked but i get it uh but a lot not of times not my tempo but there are a lot of times where you're just like okay i don't get that at all you know right. and so that's <laughs> when i found find myself more on that end of things and i i see that and the thing with the sports award season so many times it feels like it's a foregone conclusion like what was the last heisman trophy winner that was like oh oh this is really going to be close between x and y like so many yeah. times it's like okay it's clearly going to be plus and yes they had you know 87 percent of the vote or whatnot right uh that you know that sort of I, I need there to be a little drama i guess i don't know <laughs> no that's fair i think that makes a lot of sense because i you know that's part of why i was super invested into it because i would follow a certain player and go okay well they they deserve this and then like in dominican sue and, and that was the thing and i think maybe that was it when i kind of realized that how much of this was predetermined and not really up for debate and you would hope that it would be but um you just kind of realize that it's like okay it, it, this has all been decided well in advance and this year might be a little bit different for the oscars because I, I think that so many of the the movies aren't like as well known or as well publicized and so maybe it's a little wider open but it's just i don't know just interesting to me i i would like to see more unknown more underappreciated players movies events all that stuff get more recognition than they do in these awards season i just kind of find that interesting but anyway the reason why i bring it up the reason why i talk i wanted to talk about that is because my feelings towards award season and that includes the oscars and my lack of or decline in interest i guess at least as a, a viewer right um kind of coincides with my decline in interest in viewing the draft a little bit and it's not that i'm not interested in the draft itself like where players are going to go and the whole process and stuff but the actual act of watching it the drama isn't as exciting to me anymore i'm not like how has that been this case for you andy because i i feel like the more complex it gets the more they stretch it out 
the more they add to it, the less I actually want to invest time in watching it, over, especially over the course of three days. I mean, I have I to know. tell you, one of the things that I feel most cheated about relative to 2020 and the, the pandemic and all the things that it's taken from us is not seeing NFL prospects on a boat floating across <laughs> the fountains at the Bellagio. Like, wasn't that seriously a thing that was supposed to happen? Last yeah, year? they were going to they're going to on the on the little fountain there they're gonna yeah. float them out from one part of the fountain to like a center raft right they're like gonna put them on the admiral's barge and yeah. row them across the fountains of the bellagio and like that was the most nfl thing ever you know yeah. that we would create this ridiculously pointlessly ostentatious well, I wanted to watch that on the off chance that the boat was going to like capsize. Like that, I was, just, I was picturing some offensive lineman like yeah. going down hard. Yeah, splash. Maybe yeah. good. Maybe Goodell. You know, there's too much to hope that it was Goodell. But uh, yeah, that was going to be fantastic, and we didn't get it. Uh, you know, the drafts were those things, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm more interested in recent memory because Ohio State's been chucking guys into the draft with a high degree and. I I watched the draft for two reasons: one to see where Ohio State guys go, and see, and, and two to see who the Steelers draft. Mm-hmm. You no, know, because because that's that's our team, and I and I'm assuming that the average fan is of a like mind. That the two things you're most interested in is where where are guys from your college team going, and who is your NFL team drafting, and and beyond that, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, that's fine. I mean, I guess I'm I'm also vaguely interested in who the Bengals and Browns and ravens are drafting for, for sure. obvious reasons uh the worst is when something like oh you know the ravens drafted jk dobbins hashtag damn it you know like that's <laughs> that that's that, that i do find that enjoyable um the spectacle of it you know I, it's kind of interesting over the past couple of years seeing people because i'm putting myself in the shoes of a draft eligible uh collegian and like i would think being part of the pageantry of being at the draft would be really cool. You know, being back in the, in the green room or whatever with all these other first rounders and then having some hall of famer, you know, call your name like that. I I just think that would be really cool, but it seems like, and some of it obviously this year is, is different, but it seems like you're seeing more interest in people, you know, kind of doing their own thing. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to stay home and, you know, get the call with mom and dad, which, which is cool in its own way. Uh, and, and, you know, you respect that, but I don't know. I, I, I find it interesting to see what the draft's going to look like next year and the year after yeah. and the year after, like, what are some of the things that change about the draft? Oh, I'm sure they're going to want to like go all out and do whatever goofy, crazy stuff they can to try to, you know, make up for lost time. Cause it's a um, big, cause it's a big spectacle, right? I mean, this yeah. is, this is, you know, appointment viewing and it's a lot of ad inventory for the league and its broadcast right. partners, <laughs> which, which yeah. I mean, I mean, ultimately that's what we're selling, right? Like, otherwise, why are we televising this for so many hours? It's because, well, it's, we're going to sell some ads. I can't, right. it's, it's what makes the world go around friends. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like they, they want to, they want that spectacle. That's really what it is. And the fact that you couldn't have that in certain ways and, and they've, you know, they'll look for things to do where they can make sure that they can promote it via clips and all that other stuff and have something to sustain it for the next year. Right. And, and clip packages and whenever they're doing highlights mm-hmm. and all that stuff, because you need that. Right. That's that's part of what sustains the whole media juggernaut that they have. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'll come back and try to do I don't know, maybe they'll have two barges. I don't know. I don't like <laughs> I don't know how it'll work. 
But I don't, you know, maybe what they go to SpaceX, they shoot somebody up into space and, you know, Roger Goodell's floating on the International Space Station. And that's how, I don't know. Helicopter but, Mars, man. That would be kick ass, actually, if they did that. They should do that. Um, but there are going to be Ohio State players in the draft. Most of the drama around the draft has surrounded Justin Fields. Surprise, surprise. I I just think there's a lot of smoke. We've talked about this. I, I don't think that any of the speculation serious you know what i mean like i'm sure it's somewhat serious i know i know that teams are going to look at the epilepsy thing and go okay that's something that we can actually think about but like the work ethic crap and all this other stuff it just feels like so much bs it does not feel like anything real let's 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 be let's be frank the work ethic bs was manufactured nonsense oh, and of I course and i don't care whether you want to say it, it, you know if, if you want to put that at the feet of you know, whatever other teams might want to try to hose, uh, you know, whoever else is picking ahead of them. I, but you know, look, this, that was straight up clickbait nonsense. Yeah, uh, and, and anyone who took that seriously should reevaluate a, their, uh, good sense and b their priorities in life. Cause that was just straight up nonsense. The epilepsy thing though. I mean, I find it interesting. Like also I'm like, Oh, Oh, he's got epilepsy. Like, wait a minute dude's been operating at the highest level of anybody in the game yeah it hasn't impacted his playing at yeah. all. i mean it's you know. <laughs> like when i saw that news i was like oh okay that's vaguely interesting and then um you know fanica came out and he's like hey i'm not the only one anymore and it's like oh okay well here's a hall of famers dealt with i mean that's right you know obviously not a big issue yeah and i think that you know you basically what it comes down to right now is who's gonna like who's gonna pick him win in the top five to top ten i i really don't think he's gonna slip down out of the top five frankly um you know there's a lot of speculation about what number he'll go mm -hmm. right like what pick it'll be but there isn't a whole lot of speculation about which teams it might be right. you know what i'm saying like it's it's really the 49ers are like the broncos and I I would hope that he ends up with the 49ers. I think he's a much more natural fit there. It would be I mean cool it seems like I mean it seems too obvious to be Yeah. I mean, never <laughs> underestimate the ability of NFL execs to completely screw up a, a sure thing, but you know, it's I don't know. I, I think he's probably gonna end up going to the 49ers in the top five. I that just seems the most likely scenario. Um because it'd be dumb otherwise. And I, I hope they wouldn't be that dumb, but you know, like I said, the NFL continually proves me wrong and could in fact be that dumb so i don't know it's it's interesting to see how it might play out but uh i don't think you're gonna get a situation where he's sitting there at like 20 25 and you know it just becomes this thing which... I, I mean i mean if that happens like something has gone horribly wrong yeah like, i yeah i, I don't I, I just don't see it happening i don't think so either so he's gonna go really high justin fields deservedly will make bank um you know other guys that they're thinking about though this is I actually think, you know, as someone who will be watching the NFL draft and, you know, maybe after Justin Fields, I'm not going to be super invested in what happens with the rest of the first round on Thursday, mostly because the Bengals always make a terrible choice. They're going to screw up. I, I, they need to take offensive linemen. They're not going to, they're going to do something stupid, but um, they're also, there's some borderline Ohio state players who might make an appearance in the bottom part of the first round. Wyatt Davis. Some people are saying like a really high second rounder, um, maybe a really, really low first rounder. Somebody wants to take a flyer on him. Baron Browning has been going up and up and up. The more people look at him because, you know, he had a 
kick-ass end of his you know career at Ohio State did really really well at pro day Pete Werner is a dude who I've seen a couple of articles about where some people might take a flyer on him at the end of the first round I think that's a stretch I don't don't see that happening but do you expect maybe one of those dudes to kind of slip in there in the first round and maybe make an appearance Browning is really interesting to me because I think people you know he's a guy that we were talking about the combine being this beauty pageant, right? And, and NFL sure. scouts love to get worked up about this stuff. And he's a guy, I think, impressed some people, um, like you said, late in the season and, and some of his drills and whatnot got people worked up. Uh, I'd be curious to see that he's a guy that I think you could see go a lot higher than any of us, I think, would have ever anticipated. He's, he's one who's almost like the opposite of Sean Wade in that he's played himself into money, it feels right. like. Uh, you know, if Davis slept at the end, you could always take an offensive lineman, right? Like that's never a bad idea. Um, so if he was a guy that you saw go at the end of the first round, I guess that wouldn't be like crazy. He doesn't, he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't feel necessarily like an obvious first round draft pick as a lineman, but you could do worse. Uh, yeah. It's interesting though, because he's, he's kind of a guy that isn't, super versatile right you know what i mean like he's not a he's not a plug and play guy and and because of that i it doesn't feel like someone who might be a first round pick Uh, he might just kind of be a guy okay we we've got a weak you know roster in terms of you know offensive linemen we need to know somebody who's going to be able to fill a specific role and do a good job but that that just i guess what i'm saying is that there will be a team that really wants him but not until the second or third round yeah that's how i feel about that that's right it'll be like we really like this guy but he's not he's not our first priority well he's one where you, where you would say he's going to be there when i get ready for him as opposed yeah. to oh my god i got to get him now right exactly that's exactly. that's how it feels and this feels like for Ohio state this feels like a draft that's you're going to be heavy second, third round action. Mm-hmm. And then, and then quite a few guys late, uh, as opposed to, you know, one of those years where you had three first rounders and it was just, you know, crazy times. Yeah. I think Pete Warner is another one of those dudes who's going to be, you know, he will be higher than people expect. And the more people look at him, the better they like him, which I think is pretty awesome because he really is. I mean, he's, he's been one of the most underrated linebackers at Ohio state in a long time. Mm-hmm. One guy, I, I am surprised that a guy like Tommy Togiai is not as like, I'm not saying he should be a first rounder, right. Or maybe even a second round, but it, it's, he just doesn't seem to be getting the same kind of juice that some of the other dudes are in this draft. And I, I don't really know why exactly that is because I can see a guy who has a really, really long career in the NFL, just being a fire plug, just sitting there and just stuffing the middle because that's what he did all year, and he was incredible at it. He was just, unbelievable just, against the run. Just I, I, again, I, same deal with why I just don't I don't see him as like okay, we have to get this guy, but he feels like to me one of the most sure bets in this draft for Ohio State. One of the things I've uh, that's always been interesting. I mentioned following the the Steelers as a fan, yeah, and and their drafts are always really interesting where they'll draft a guy and I'll be like, who the, who was that? You know, it'll be like, Oh, it's some guy from Pitt or it's some, you know, there's, yeah, they're, they're not just out there lighting up blue. Now, typically that's because they're not picking in the first half of the first round. Right. So right. it's not, it's not like they're taking, they're not in contention to take a Justin Fields or something along those lines, but he, he's the kind of guy, and I'm not saying he's, I'm not at all linking him to the Steelers, but I'm just using an example. There are teams like that. You could say this about the Patriots too, right? Where, 
a team like that that's really smart and that isn't going to reach for guys mm-hmm. you know he feels like a guy that's going to end up at a place like that where he's going to fall into somebody's lap and they're going <laughs> to they're going to realize hey we got a we, we got a gift here right yeah i and that's you know <laughs> it's always nice to be a fan of a team that is able to do that and I it doesn't, say it, doesn't as, it doesn't always work out no but. <laughs> but i say that as a fan of a team that never does that yeah, so yeah. it's like you know what i mean like yeah that's and that's and i maybe that's kind of the fun of being an nfl fan while you're watching the draft you're like okay this is a steal this is a good pick this is a smart pick by our team i appreciate that and i don't i don't get that very often as a Bengals fan i okay a couple of guys i want to talk about here too um that might be falling and, and i know obviously in the case of sean wade we know that not lived up to what people expected dan did a really good rundown of all these mock drafts right and they've got you know the various experts right who are predicting where guys are going to go they've got him between round three and round five lean towards round three i lean towards round four or five with this guy and it's not because it's not because i think he's a bad player i just think the draft is so much of a what have you done for me lately kind of thing mm-hmm. and they they want to see his most recent performance and not project um excellence i guess and i just he was so bad at cornerback and it's not his natural position but that's the other thing like i think players look at the, or teams look at that and they go well we don't <laughs> we don't really know what he's capable of we don't even know yeah. where we want to put the guy much less you know like stardom or anything like that i I don't know, man. I really feel like Sean Wade could fall to the fourth or fifth round. I, I, I think that's that's probably more accurate to where he might end up. Um, and it sucks because, you know, this is a guy who came back and was supposed to be like a cornerstone of the defense and just did not work out that way. The only thing I'll say about that, though, is, you know, when, when his All-American bids were coming in, you know, there were times where I was like, okay, this feels like um, reward for past services rendered more so than most recent production you know so there's a part of me that wonders if you know some of that uh, brand recognition i guess that you know he was a name brand guy going into the season that that that'll carry through i i don't know uh i agree with you that there there is a what have you done for me lately mentality but i i guess he got more credit in the postseason you know not award but the honors there with the all-americans than i would have anticipated i guess oh yeah yeah i agree with that um i don't know what to think i don't know what to think about wade i i guess nothing between the only thing that would surprise me would be him going in the first or second rounds i guess you know like third round you'd be like okay all right fine uh but no it won't surprise me you know like you said brugler and a couple of those guys had him down in the fifth round you know still top 200 pick but you know then that won't surprise me. That won't surprise me at all. Cause I don't know. I'm trying to put myself in a GM's shoes. Where would I take this guy? Well, that's the thing because you, I mean, there's so many, like if you're hurt, if you really need a defensive player like that, and you need a guy in the secondary, you need a defensive back. There's other options. There's other dudes you can go towards, right? This is, I don't know. It, I don't, I'm not trying to like hate on the guy. I'm not saying he's a, he's a terrible player or anything like that, but it, to me, it's interesting you watch teams draft and they take flyers on players at really 
weird points. And so maybe that's, and, and maybe that helps, right? Sean Wade, maybe that's something where he, you know, a team looks at his past success and performance and says, okay, we can get him back to that point. But I, it, it's just so crucial. Like it doesn't feel like there's any rhyme or reason sometimes. And I don't know. There are teams with definite needs, right, at that position. But I don't know. I don't know why they would pull the trigger, especially in the third round or even early third round, as, as some draft picks are are giving them um, on him for that position. I, I think he can contribute. I think he can be a good player for teams. But yeah, man, I just would not take a flyer on him with the first or second pick of my team if that's what I was looking for. Well, and I just don't think you need to reach. You know, no, you you don't need to reach. No. So another, another player I was thinking about, and this is interesting because, you know, he came on super strong at the end of the year, like a lot of his teammates, but he plays at a position where if you're not going to be able to contribute immediately, teams are really reluctant to give you first round money. I mean, Trey Sermon was playing lights out for basically the last half of, you know, the abbreviated season in 2020. And I think was looking at every bit of a first or second round pick. He comes out, he gets hurt, obviously, in the in the championship game. And, you know, I think he's back. He's, he's you know, doing what he needs to do. Um, but third or fourth round seems about appropriate, I think, for a running back that's coming off of an injury and, you know, honestly hasn't played a whole lot of games in the past few years. I mean, you basically have this one season and that's about it. One of the things I loved about uh, the draft roundup that Dan posted this week is seeing that uh, one of the one of the uh, no a couple of the mock drafts yeah le- at least one yeah one of the mock drafts had Sermon going in the third round to the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> yeah and if there's a position <laughs> of need for my Steelers God knows it's running do back. you think do you think he would be the dude for the Steelers do you think that's like his play style I mean he's kind of a he reminds me of, of kind of a poor man's Adrian Peterson, if that makes well, sense. Well, so, so if you look, you know, right. You know what I mean? I mean, Le'Veon Bell was, was pretty, was pretty lightning in the bottle, lightning in a bottle for the Steelers. I'm not making that comparison, but, sure. it, but it's been a while since they've had the bus, you know, carrying the load. So they've kind of had a couple different style of running backs lately. And I, I mean, I think he gets, I think he gets the job done for him. You know, certainly postseason Trey Sermon, um look like a world peter to me it's right. so much of it there it just depends on on their line you know they're going to have some turnover there um you know the steelers had a lot of cap space challenges this season uh so it's gonna be kind of a weird year for them but uh I, you know so I, I don't know i mean ohio state fans would love to see him go to the saints that was a popular destination among yeah that'd be cool mock drafter i mean hell, why the hell not the new orleans buckeyes man there's about 47 alumnus is alumni uh, on that roster right so yeah that'd be sweet i, I you know more. you want to see that's the other element to all this and maybe that's the one thing that kind of keeps me you know kind of checked in as it's going on is that i want to see ohio state players get drafted but i also want to see them end up in a good spot you know yes. what i mean i don't want them to see on a basement dweller lord help me i, I don't always want to see them on the, on the Bengals because mm-hmm. i'm very concerned for their safety sometimes um you know, it's just, it's, it's fun to watch. And Trey Sermon was, he's probably, in my opinion, really one of the most interesting players uh, on Ohio state's team in the last half of the season, just because it, it felt like he just turned on a light switch and everything changed. 
and then you go ahead and set a single game rushing record and then you look like a world i don't know it was just you know you have a great game against clemson i I really am curious to see what that dude does in the league because I think he could be a complete bust. And I also think he could be an all pro. Um, yeah. I, I don't see a lot of middle ground there. I agree with you on that. It yeah. just because it was, it, it did feel like feast or famine with him. Um, but, but I got to believe, I mean, I'll put it this way. If, if my team took him, I wouldn't be upset. Cause, yeah, cause no, I think, I, cause I think, he's well, and that's cool. a dude you take a flyer on in the fourth yeah. or fifth round, right? Like that's the guy that you say, okay, we'll, we'll put some money on this dude and see what happens because that's, that's a high risk, high reward, or that's a high risk or low risk, high reward kind of pick. But I, but I think you could take him in the third round and not be shooting yourself in the foot. Like I'll, I'll use, I'll use the Pittsburgh example. Yeah. They're, they're going to take, they're going to take offensive linemen in the first and second rounds because they need it. So if you've gotten, if you've gotten a couple of, really great picks you know let's say like uh i think i think dane brewer had uh dickerson from Al, uh, alabama slated mm-hmm. as maybe a second round pick so if, if you're getting a couple blue chippers up front uh then then you come in and you pick a guy like sermon in the third round you know that's not a that's not a bad pick sure that, that's not a bad pick there even in the third round now well, and he can help you in the passing game too like that's the other thing that makes him i think valuable is they can be really versatile for you yeah absolutely uh, in a lot of different ways um i will you know going down uh dan's dan's post here we've got a potential mr relevant and tough borland i i i appreciate the optimism um <laughs> where he was projected in the seventh seventh round by a couple of uh a couple of places but i that dude's gonna be udfa all the way um did not have a great pro day um but I want to see, you know, Ohio State has been unbelievably, incredibly lucky in the kicking game in the past many, many years. And I want to see Drew Christman, Blake Javier. I, I want to see them in the league. Damn it. I, I want to see more Ohio State punters and kickers in the league. And the immortal look. The immortal Mike Nugent was, I, I, he was kicking field goals last season, right? Man's a legend that he, and that's fantastic for him. He can keep doing that till he's 50 years old. But my point is, is that we have to keep that tradition alive. So if he decides to end up like retiring for good, I want to make sure that there's some good Ohio state kicking blood in the NFL, because that, that has to be a constant, you know what I mean? There's all, there's got, it's Highlander time. There's always got to be at least one. Um, <laughs> Cause that's, 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 that's who Ohio that's in the DNA of modern Ohio state football. You have to have great kicking and punting. And of course, you know, you know, Cam, uh, Cam Johnson, but I want, I want more of it. I want more of it. So I don't know. That's that that's that's the thing that I kind of look for towards the end. I want to see the specialists. I want to see the long snappers and the, you know, Luke Farrell even in tight end might be able to sneak in there. That would yeah, I would enjoy that. You know, he's guy had had a good career. He would he'd be one that you could you could see making a roster somewhere, and and being one of those guys that you know maybe he's uh, not stuff in the stat sheet. Maybe he's not going to end up in Canton, but you could see him having a long career. Well, there's, I mean, there are people who, who come in sometimes, right. Like that you don't expect that maybe didn't make a ton of noise during their, um, uh, during their Ohio state career, but then they have a pretty good pro career and you're a little surprised by that. You're like, okay, all right, not too bad. And, um, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I think of a guy like Jonathan Hankins, John Hankins 
had a really good career at Ohio State, but he's had, I mean, he had a, a good, you know, cup of tea in the NFL doing what he does. So I just, I don't know. I, I like to see that. I like to see guys uh, kind of coming out of nowhere and, and make a name for themselves. Corey Lindsley, I don't think is a dude that anybody expected to be the highest paid guard in the history of the NFL, but that's fantastic. Yeah, but here we are. But well, here we are. And he, yeah. And he's, a, he's an awesome dude as well. But I, I like those stories. And maybe that's kind of, uh, Maybe that's the moral here. Maybe that'll keep you. Maybe that's the thing to keep an eye on these Buckeyes as the the draft kind of un, unfolds and unveils itself. Uh, I cannot promise to watch all twelve hours on Saturday for like rounds. What is it like rounds four through seven or whatever it is? Um, four through a hundred. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I, I think I'll be. <laughs> I'll be there in spirit. How about that? Uh, <laughs> set your set set your Twitter alerts. You know. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's I don't know. I, I've got my whole opinion on how they've done that because I, I think that's also part of the reason why I've gravitated away from the draft as a whole is because it used to be this is my two day weekend. I'm going to plot this sucker out. I'm going to enjoy my Saturday watching the first half and, you know, I'll watch the first round. But now it's it, it feels like the longer it goes on, the less I'm, I'm really invested. So which is a shame because I really enjoy I, I like it when it's punchy and faster and. You know, You're asking too much of you as a fan. Yeah, well, as a human being, I got I got things to do, man. Like it's <laughs> it's a busy it's a busy time of year. Um, so that's uh that's kind of our breakdown of the draft. It, it'll still be interesting. Obviously, all the drama around Justin Fields will mercifully end on Thursday. I'm, I'm very excited for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'll be there watching. And of course, next week we'll break it down. We want to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com drygoods.11warriors.com shirts hats stickers all kinds of great stuff check it out it's you know sun's out guns out it's starting to get warm again um the snow will probably not revisit us i don't know i'm not maybe, a meteorologist maybe maybe but i think it's supposed to be warmer this this coming week um yeah so go ahead and check that out it's it's, it's good stuff so let's do a little ask us anything. And as a reminder, you can ask us literally anything. And when I say anything, I mean, you know, like whatever quandary is on your mind uh, by sending us a email to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Let's start off with our good friend, Alvin, who wants to know with DeMario McCall switching positions, which man, he got mossed badly in the spring game um but with demario call switching positions who is one player on our offensive or defensive side that you could see play on the other side of the field effectively that's a good question that's really because you don't here's the thing man like i i really enjoyed watching uh you know the both sides but that was chris gamble right who was yeah it's been a minute yeah i i i love the idea of that i just don't see that as possible anymore and i do know that like troy smith for example troy smith was a, a running back for a second but of course that's on the that's still on the offensive yeah. side so that's just a, a position change i don't is there anybody right now where you're like okay i like could chris olave be a really kick-ass defensive back do you see something like that well that's what you tend to i was, I was it almost it seems like it has to be a skill position player right you, you know something like that where you're like okay great wide receiver could could go and be a great corner Mm -hmm. uh similar skill set that that sort of makes sense uh you could there's there's some guys that you could see 
uh, I'm thinking like a, some of the linebackers that we've had that have been super athletic that you think, okay, all right, give that, give that man the rock and let him run with it. You know, maybe, maybe, right. maybe, uh, give be a bruising back. Uh, but no, I mean, for the most part, these guys play the positions they play for a reason, right? Well, and There's that's the reason we don't play Iron Man ball so much anymore. Yeah. And that's one of the interesting things about football. That's one of the things I love about football is that it can be so specialized that basically anybody of anybody that you have a spot for you there is something that you could excel at depending on your skills it, it kind of pigeonholes you sometimes but i think it's cool that somebody who's six foot six and 350 pounds can be on the same team as somebody who's like five foot eight and 170 pounds like that i love that i think that's incredible and they both have a critical spot and they can both be very very excellent players um I don't you know, could, though. I you could probably see I, some of. The, I mean, I'm mean, thinking about some of the, the, the defensive ends, or you know, like a uh, some of those guys that are uh, like let's say, let's say six four to six six, you know, two seventy. Okay, maybe maybe you line that guy up at tight end. You know, sure. Does he got a set of hands? So, so I mean, there might be some. Of that. I don't have anybody in mind right now where I'm like, oh man, I'm just jonesing <laughs> to see that guy do it, yeah. but. There, there's a few spots on the field where you say that could that, that could probably happen. I mean, you would think part of me says you would think there'd be more um, potential for like offensive defensive linemen to play the old switcheroo, but not really. I mean, think about yeah. the how different body types are on an edge rusher versus an interior offensive lineman. I mean, these are totally different creatures anymore, right? right? Back to that, that specialization. And it always takes me back to what I was playing high school ball i really wanted to play defensive line those guys had a lot of fun and mm -hmm. coach, coach hart uh told me he said damn it vance you're just too nice to play defensive line get back over there i was forever <laughs> i was forever an offensive lineman because coach hart said i was too nice well you are you are very nice that's you know i think well, you would have been a good guest defensive lineman but you are a very compliment nice to it was a wonderful compliment uh you know today it wasn't such a great compliment then because right. uh he did not mean it that way although i yeah. will say he took me uh, and my brother bass fishing on his super sweet uh, bass boat, and that oh, fantastic! Was, that was cool. We provided no. the fishing hole, but he he provided the sweet glittery red bass boat, and that was fun. Yeah, there you go. Um, I will not, you know, deny the 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 idea of a uh, Demario McCall like I don't know playing offensive line or defense. You know, what I mean, like putting somebody in a place completely inappropriate for that uh is is funny to me i would enjoy that but i don't know that there's i agree with you i don't know there's anybody off the top of my head that i'm thinking like okay we gotta we gotta get this guy on the offense because i just it is so specialized and teams are constructed that way they're they're done that purposefully uh so that they can kind of maximize the potential of the guys that they draft and that's why they put so much time and effort into doing it um or recruit rather um but I don't know. You could see some more switches, especially if <laughs> the defensive secondary needs more help than anticipated. Um, I don't know that I love the idea of Demario Call as a quarterback. Not not simply because I, I don't think he might do very not not do very well, but because of what it kind of signals. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what that looks like, I guess, in fall camp and when that kind of starts out. Yeah, when I saw that news, I was like, "Well, oh, that's interesting." Yeah, <laughs> that's kind that's of my response. Um, like, oh, okay. <laughs> So this next question here, this is from Jacob and J Jacob asks, what is the best concert you've ever been to? I suspect, and he's addressing me. I suspect we have similar tastes since we were both at St. Motel last February, which by the way, kick ass show, freaking amazing. Um, I'm so glad that I was able to see that right before everything just kind of locked down because that was 
awesome. Uh, so I'm curious to see who you say. My favorite is Young the Giant, who I saw in 2016 and 2019. Andy, of course, is welcome to talk about his favorite concert, too. <laughs> I'm glad Jacob gave you permission on that. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Good looking out. Yeah, my favorite concert that I've ever attended was the first time I saw Jay Roddy Walson and the business uh, down the Newport, and they tore it up. It was, it's, it was right about when um, Heavy Bells, which is one of their singles, came out, and I don't even think Jay Roddy's together anymore. Maybe they got back. I don't know, but anyway, this was maybe I want to say maybe 2014, 2015, something like that, and it blew my socks off it was just so much energy the crowd was super into it it was just a fun as hell show and um i really haven't seen anything that kind of compares to it i will say that saint motel is probably top three or five concerts i've ever been to that was an awesome show just the production that they had um and probably in my time you know i saw acdc which is everything that you wanted an acdc concert to be it was fantastic and I also saw Beck in concert, which is another probably one of my top five. Beck was really great. So I don't know. I, but that that first time I saw Jay Roddy, I saw, I've seen him twice. Um, and that first time was magical. It was fantastic. There's, by the way, real quick, Andy, before you get into it, on YouTube, maybe I'll put this in the post. There's um, actually some video from the first time that I saw them. It's not from me, but it's from somebody else. It's the same concert. And it gives a really good idea about what the energy was like. So I'll try to post that so people can check that out. I was going to say that uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I didn't understand almost anything that, that you said. So <laughs> uh, clearly, clearly I do not necessarily. You might, you might enjoy Jay Roddy. I think you I, would enjoy I, Jay Roddy. I, I might, but I have. I have said over the years, I have very eclectic taste in music and, and it goes back to, you know, I was raised on very straight up, like, country music classic country music and, sure. and whatever was on the radio in the early 80s uh but when i when i got into college you know the way i the way i bought beer and books was as a, a dj at everything right. from you know frat parties sorority formals uh you know weddings high school dances proms so my catalog is pretty diverse in that regard those are all very different audiences right uh, first concert I ever saw is still one of my favorites of all time. And that was Garth Brooks in Cincinnati. I realize I've now referenced Garth Brooks twice in this episode and that that's totally unintentional. Nothing wrong with that. But Garth Brooks did like a seven night stand in Cincinnati in you know, the, the late eighties. And so that was the first concert that mom and dad took us boys to when we were kids, like big concert. I mean, I think we'd been to like something at the festival, the bells or the County fair or whatever. That sure. doesn't really count. Yeah, Barbara Mandrell at the Highland County Fair. She sang on like top on top of a bus or something like that. But no, <laughs> Garth Brooks, that show was fantastic. That guy is one of the most entertaining acts ever. Yeah, uh, I will always regret not seeing ACDC in concert. It was one that was on my bucket list for ages, and I never did, and I totally regret it. Um, I almost missed out on that. Actually, I, I was substitute teaching at the time, and I had a student uh, tell me because I I was wearing an ACDC shirt or whatever. <laughs> I, was I don't know. I, I think it was like an undershirt or something. And a kid noticed and said, "Hey, man, you know they're going to be in Seabus." And I'm like, "What?" And yeah, I, I got in like literally the day before, and I, I think I just sat on the website, just refreshed it to like get in. That's but fantastic. if that kid hadn't told me about it, I would never would have saw him. Well, so then you know, other shows I I've seen that really rank up there. Um, Bob Seger in concert. We saw Bob Seger twice and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in his, in, in the last five years he was touring, 
uh those shows were amazing loved it uh also i think uh, def leppard does a really awesome live show uh have enjoyed that you know we we, we tend to go see them whenever they're in town so mm-hmm. those are a couple acts i really loved but it just there's something about you know and i'll say this they don't really do this anymore um because because well these guys retired but i love the big shows where you know you just go all day uh it's not quite a festival oh, yeah. it's not quite a festival you know so you still have the, some of the big festivals or or, or did pre-pandemic but uh, brooks and dunn used to do what they called the the neon circus and wild west show and they they did this tour for several years and they would have i mean five six acts and so it it wasn't a super expensive ticket surprisingly enough especially i i would catch it up at polaris uh mm-hmm. when that was still a thing and you know you could get either your back of the amphitheater or lawn seats for 50 bucks maybe and go watch you know five six really great acts uh i love that i remember seeing like the one year they had like it was like gary anderson brad paisley trick pony toby keith and and then of course brooks and dunn were the headliners yeah, that's and, a pretty know, that's a pretty good lineup it, it was because almost all of those acts did or could headline their own tours, you know, right. um, Brad Paisley, by the way, if you're a country music fan at all, that's another amazing live show just because he is such a great musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could just watch him pick guitar all day long. So those are all great, all, all great shows I've been to. I love live music. Yeah, I would I would, I really would love to be able to see Garth Brooks in concert because I feel like he's got to be one of the best live performers ever i mean it just the his shows are legendary i mean and and it's and it's like not just the singing i mean he puts on a show like i remember that 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 show in cincinnati and mind you this is 30 plus years ago now um but he had this the the drummer stand the drummer's throne was in like a spaceship um (laughs) i mean i don't know how to describe it It was like a plexi enclosed spaceship in the center of the stage and of course he's you know doing this kind of in the you know what though you know what though andy i don't know that i don't think hank would have done it that way hank <laughs> did not do it that way i can i can <laughs> promise you that but this thing um was on a hydraulic lift you know so the drummers the drummer's throne comes up like 30 feet off the stage or something crazy like that on this lift and you know garth's on top of this spaceship and all of a sudden he like jumps off of and i'm like oh my god he just did a swan i was like, and there's like these rope ladders around the stage that we couldn't see from the nosebleed sure. section so he's swinging around on these like the the rope ladder batman had off the back oh top they're going after the sharks in the if you saw that classic movie and he's swinging around like this dude's nuts and he just runs from one side of the stage to the other and like how the hell does he do this seven nights in a row because he was playing a seven night stand right. in cincinnati it's just like well, to put your body through that. That's and, the thing, And the though, music man. was great the whole time. You know, like you would think, okay, you're doing all this acrobatics and craziness. The music will suffer. No, it didn't suffer one iota. It was right. it was amazing. Well, and that's the thing, because like even if you're not a big country fan, or I don't know, let's say you're you know not a pop fan, right? But like in sync or Backstreet, just the spectacle is something that I just respect the hell out of. You know what I mean? Like I just I find that super super freaking wild. Uh, that they're able to put together shows like that whatever the the band is or whatever the the group is it's just it, i will go see something like that because just the insanity behind it and then you know the the production value and all that kind of stuff that just well, blows me and away and there's something about live music i have become a fan of some musicians and bands because i saw them in concert oh, yeah case in point uh jerry jeff walker this is another country music this is like classic honky-tonk country 
Yeah. Um, the average person has never even heard of Jerry Jeff Walker, his, his big claim to fame for, and, and he just passed this last year. Um, great, great singer songwriter wrote the classic, of uh, the American songbook, Mr. Bojangles. So if you've ever mm-hmm. sung along to Mr. Bojangles, thank you, Mr. Jerry Jeff Walker. So uh, in like 98 or 99, I'm at the national cattlemen's convention in San Antonio, Texas. And we go to this place called far West rodeo for like a pack benefit dinner or something. So yeah. you got a bunch of cowboys in the far west rodeo so picture like a big bar that also has a rodeo arena in the bar so you go over here and you get your drink and then you walk over here and you can watch the rodeo and then you go back over here to the bar and then there's a band <laughs> and so jerry jeff was the band after team pendant night yeah and like i'd never heard of jerry jeff walker before like i wasn't into the you know the the west texas honky tonk scene or anything sure. like that but he just starts singing and you know this he sings this song redneck mother and it's like one of these great sing-along songs and i didn't know the words but i'm trying to figure them out so i can sing along because these people are having a ball and you know i go home and i buy the record and i still sing those songs i don't know his whole catalog but that album and the songs he sang that night i sing them now 30 years later yeah love, love well, that stuff I, and it and, was like you were saying like when you've got those big kind of all-day concerts and whatnot i i used to like go into the um the cd 1025 days oh yeah and, sure you know it's now it's cd i think 92 9 yeah it's changed um, a few times yeah <laughs> yeah they might have been 101.9 in time but uh, i saw a band uh called the duke spirit and one of their their cd 1025 days or whatever it was and i had never heard of that band and they they just they they i mean they're rotating bands so they're playing like a 30 minute set but they destroyed that set and I'm like, okay, well, I got to go buy at least two of their albums now because it's just, they impress you so much on stage. I will also say to get us out of here, and I want to I want to know what your uh, thoughts are on this. The worst band I ever saw live was also at CD1025 Day. And it was this band called uh, Von Iva. And they had this like, I don't know, single that was out. It's the only song of theirs that I have ever probably actually heard. And they were like the tail end. They were the very end of that concert. And the lead singer came out completely trashed, swinging the, <laughs> swinging the mic around on the cord, hitting herself, hitting the stage. <laughs> Clearly not really interested in singing anything. Uh, the band was kind of playing a song, but I think they were playing different songs. Like there were three of them. It was a guitarist, a drummer, and the singer. I don't know that they were all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed for about the, the song itself is probably like a tour like it's a it's a it's a tight song it's like two or three minute song they were singing this thing went out to like 10 minutes they were just <laughs> i don't know what they were doing they were they were like clearly like okay we know who's who's here we know what the, the crowd is supposed to be at this late stage they did not care and it was funny for the first like maybe five or six minutes and then as they kept going i was like okay it's time for me to leave and i left they were still playing and they were still in the first song like after at least 10 minutes i was like this is good i'm done i'm done that's fine so that kind of convinced me maybe not to uh, get into that particular band i I mean we had a similar experience so this is the most random how did i end up going to a concert song ever uh, story ever but i'll tell it so when the little tyke was some years younger she watched sesame street like a lot of us did when we were mm-hmm. little, little sprouts and we the band pentatonics it's a you know an acapella group okay, um yeah. 
was on Sesame Street and they were doing like a counting song. Like they were counting to five, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like they're doing this counting song. Oh, yeah. And it was super catchy because they're like, and I remembered Rockapella on Where in the World is Carmen San Diego when oh, I was sure. a, a kid. And I love a good like acapella band. Like it can be really cool. Mm-hmm. So we started following this band Pentatonix because of our then, you know, four or five year old daughter watching them on Sesame street. Well, they're going to be playing at the Ohio state fair a year later or something. And we said, you know, okay, maybe we'd take the little tyke to see, you know, Pentatonix in concert. She really wanted to go. Well, we went, of course they had an opening act. Opening act was pretty good. It's like a little duet and, and uh, Sky and his wife. And they were, they were really good. I couldn't tell you what their name was, but we enjoyed it. They were fine. And then there was the set change. Now, now, mind you, the opening act was, like I say, just this guy and his wife, and they like played the bongos and a guitar. Like they okay. didn't have a set, right? Like right. they were each one instrument performers. Right. So the stage was set. This was the longest set change <laughs> I have ever seen in the 40 Pentatonics years. aren't playing instruments, right? Good call, Johnny. You, you see where <laughs> this is going. I mean, we sat there like 45 minutes and counting, That's maybe hilarious. an hour. I mean, it was, you know, That's I'm really used, funny. I'm used to going to these concerts where it's like a 20 minute change, right? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's usually not even that sometimes they get in. You know. I, I, I mean, you know, 20, 20, 30 minutes. I, I can, I mean, when we hit to the 45 minute mark and, and I'm losing my mind, we're in the back row of the Celeste center. And I've got, you know, a five-year-old kid here. And I'm like, I am just about to lose my crap. <laughs> then they they come out and, and like, this is an acapella group, right? So I'm expecting a great four-part harmony. And they come out and it is the most overproduced, like garbage sound I've ever heard. And not that the acoustics in the Celeste Center are, you know, going to be sure. confused with uh, one of the all-time great music halls you've ever been to or anything. It's basically a giant pole barn. Let's get real. Right. But like the the backing track was so like deafeningly loud and it was all overproduced like these are it just said to me these guys have clearly believed their own hype and think they're insane or <laughs> new kids well, on the block or whatever and like we got up and left halfway through the first song like after sitting there all that time because it was the wiggles was don't terrible. pull that crap it was too yeah well we we did our <laughs> we do, I, i'm trying to remember i know we did uh we did sesame street live i'm trying to remember if we ever did we did disney live maybe when go. she was little i don't think we ever did paul patrol live by the way real quick before we get out of here though I would be remiss if I didn't point out that Weird Al Yankovic puts on one of the greatest shows in the history oh, of I live bet. music. Oh, it's got to be hilarious. Dude, the first the first concert I ever went to, I think I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. My dad took me to this thing and it was down at the music music hall in Cincinnati and it they're playing clips from UHF. He god, he probably did 10 costume changes. Yeah. Um the energy it's just unbelievable incredible performer i mean he, he doesn't do as much now these days because he's getting a little bit older but holy hell that guy that show was now. wild and then i went to go see him a couple years later and it was just great so yeah if he's if he's out there you get a chance i'm just saying suck it up deal with the jokes and and go see it because that's that's what i'm talking about when you you know you go to see the the performance of the production because it's just so awesome um 
but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that uh, the pentatonics let you down. That's unfortunate. It was. And, and, um, and then totally, it was so bad. I mean, like kind of turned us off on the band, you know, like, in, yeah, and no, that's, that'll I, happen. I, I don't, I, we've, we've not bought another uh, record since. I don't know if yeah. they're even still putting out records anymore. Well, um, <laughs> we get past this whole COVID thing, man. And Rockapella comes into town. You and me, we're going to do this. I, go. I am there. Love, love, love Rockapella. Oh my God. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll tear it up. Um, so thank you for sending in those questions. Really appreciate it. Continue to send in those excellent questions. And again, moral quandaries, we're all about that. So dubcast at 11warriors.com, send them in. Uh, great dubcast out of you, Andy. I'm excited for the draft. We'll be back next week to break it all down and uh, you know, maybe get super pissed about how dumb NFL executives and, and admin and all them are. About I will have my takes ready. Yeah. Uh, but until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next week.